Hey, good morning, One Hope. I'm, I'm longing to see you. I feel like each week that passes, my heart is yearning more to hear voices singing behind us as we lift our hands, take communion together, hear the Word of God preached, hear the laughter of children um, in our midst as we, as we gather together. But God knows we're in a, in a season and we need to keep on holding out for a little bit longer. And um, so God's blessing on you right where you are this morning. This morning, we're going to do the very last uh, little section around God's plan for our lives and how God's um, wanting to use us in, in different ways and to use us in specific callings. And so this is a continuation of the, of the preach that I started last week where I did three points and I'm going to do another three. So I'll do four, five and six today. Um, and I'm really trusting that God is using this to shape practically how our lives outwork so that he actually is changing the way that we go about the career that we're thinking about or the degree that we study or the way that we're going to spend our retirement or whatever it may be that God is actually speaking specific purpose into our hearts and into our lives. So let me start off just simply by um, praying for us and then reminding us of the three points that we spoke to last week and then we'll launch into what we're going to look at this week together. Father, as we come again to your word, I want to thank you for your grace poured out on us. I want to thank you for the love that you have put in our hearts toward each other as a community, toward one another as a family and toward those who don't yet know you. And I want to pray that as we seek to be transformed by the power of the Spirit, as we seek to live lives that more and more are conformed into the image of Jesus, that as we approach your word and look at your word again this morning, that you would challenge us, that you would speak to us, that you would change us. This is our constant prayer. Open our ears to hear you, the great and powerful King. We love you and you thank, we thank you for your spirit among us, even in our scattered form this morning. Thank you for your spirit among us in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So last week we spoke about a, a Godward worldview. How does God view the world and how we need to be asking him to change us that we see the world in the way that he sees it. Then we spoke about how scripture outlines for us what, what true need is. And it underlines it and it makes it bold and it says, this is what true need is. It's not my need. It's not just living for myself, me, myself and I. It's not my kingdom. But actually we live in this upside down kingdom where God is calling us to, to bend away from our preferences and to bend away from just our own security and comfort and ease and wealth. And instead to pour our lives out into areas of true need in the world. And those things, God's worldview and true need versus our need are hugely shaping in when we come to ask God, what do you want me to do with the few years that I have on the planet? Understanding those things are huge guidance signposts or billboards to say these are areas where God would have us work and engage in and spend our time in and finance, etc., etc. And then the third point from last week was out of Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. Please go and read it again. How God has given multiple gifts. That there's a grace for many different gifts that build up the body. And some are called to this and some are called to this. And thank God that we're not all the same. And so that's where we, we pick up again this morning. And we're going to pick up at the, at the fourth point. We'll do four, five and six this morning. And so the fourth 
the fourth area where I think that God clearly comes and guides us as we ask him for discernment in knowing what his will is for our lives is that he gives us wise counselors. People who are a little bit further down the road than where we are. They may have been married for a lot longer than us. They may have been in business for a a lot longer than us. They may have learnt how to be generous in their business. And we're at the early stages of trying to figure out what that looks like. And God has placed around us, ordained in His Word, that we should learn from those who are more experienced than us. He's ordained that there's leadership and that leaders lead that they're given room within the church of God to lead His people. And so in some way, there's a counseling space where people come and they ask for or they seek counsel for those who are recognized leaders that God has placed over them. And so we must learn to seek out and then to listen to those who God has placed around us. A beautiful text for this is Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14. And this is what it says. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And friends, my encouragement to you is that as you are seeking God's will for your life, submit it to others. Bring it to others. Don't try and find God's purpose and His specific plan for your life in a vacuum. We don't find calling in a vacuum. God has given us a community of wisdom, a loving, caring, they want to help you community. Now let me let me make a few points here. As a church, we model this consistently and deliberately. We are very careful around making sure that there are many voices that speak into our church. Stephen, Anna Van Ryan, Lex and Joe Lazidis are just a few. Stephen, Kaz, Kramer would be others that we would regularly be referencing around decisions we make. As, an, as a lead elder, or as, the, as a pastor of a church, I don't make decisions just on my own. I have a team of elders around me and we, we model the plurality of leadership and the, the counsel of many. From that eldership team, we often invite other voices in to speak into, not just, not just other um, apostolic voices like Steve or Lex, but voices from within, the own church, within our church to ask for additional counsel or additional thoughts for ourselves and for our wives. And so we model this in our own lives as leaders. We constantly are wanting to seek this advice and take this advice for ourselves. We don't want to be doctors who dispense medicine that we ourselves refuse to take. And so as an example in my own life is that regularly I would push my budget across the table to some trusted friends and people who I feel are further down the line than where I am and ask them to help me to, to have financial good financial stewardship and wisdom in the way that I run my personal budget. And I get feedback from them, which changes the way that I actually personally budget Kate and I from a month to month basis. So we submit our lives under this understanding of scripture that the counsel of many brings wisdom to us. There's a safety in it and it brings wisdom to it. Now I want to I want to ask you not to do a few things when it comes to this point. The first is that I want to ask you not to include people at a very late stage in your decision making. Effectively, if you do that, what you're asking for is just a rubber stamp. 
You don't really want counsel. You don't really want help. You just want the feeling of being appeased that you have sought counsel from somebody else. And it's, it's really a, a mute exercise. It doesn't really help you. You need to involve people early enough in the decision-making process that they can effectively help you before it's actually already actioned and your mind is already made up. And if you don't do that, it doesn't really set, set in motion this wisdom of Scripture that the counsel of many will help you. I mean, this is so practical, guys. I, I won't buy a car without asking others to just help look in on some, some finances in my life. We, we're often reaching out around our marriage or other areas where we need counsel, where we need help from those around us. Another thing I want to ask you not to do is not to go and sit with someone or an experienced person and ask for their time and go back again and again have coffee date after coffee date and to receive their counsel but never to do anything with it eventually it gets so frustrating that you just want to say look why if you haven't listened to the last three things that we've spoken about or discussed what's the point of just carrying on meeting together so in my own life personally if someone that I respect and that I trust, which is why I've sought them out in the first place. If I go and, and, and ask and, and share ideas with them or speak to them and say, well, give me some counsel. What are you thinking here about these practical areas of my life? I might have a preconceived idea of what I would like as the, as the conclusion. They might disagree with that. And when they do, I am very careful to take that and to, to, to weigh it carefully and to think about it and pray about it. And then if I still disagree with them and I don't want to take that counsel, I go back to them and again, I explain to them why I don't want to take it and give them an opportunity to speak again into my life to convince me about why the counsel they're giving me is, is godly wisdom for my life. Now, I want you to hear me clearly here that I am not saying that you need permission I'm just saying that you're crazy not to engage with people who are further down the line than you, church leaders. You're crazy not to take their perspective and their counsel seriously. So don't hear me saying you've got to get permission before you can have a girlfriend or any of that other nonsense. But I'm saying you're crazy. You're not doing yourself any, any help by not seeking counsel. Man, guys, the amount of pain I've seen, even in my short years, especially of husbands who don't submit their lives to any form of authority or any form of leadership and they lurch their family from one bad decision to another bad decision all the while making so many excuses as to why they've done that but they never seek the counsel of just the simplest sit down for an hour with someone who's been there and done some of these things could save them and their family so much pain i appeal to you again this morning come back to god's word but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Will you listen and apply godly counsel in your life? Will you seek it? Let's ask that question first. Will you seek godly counsel? And then will you listen and apply it in your life? The fifth area that we get counsel or get guided in our specific will that God has for our life is from prayer. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I spoke so extensively around how God's word clearly outlines for us 
clearly shows us what it is. It says, this is my will for you. This is what I want you to do. And that's the general will of God. And then when we come to the specifics and we're saying, God, I understand that you want me to be spirit filled and you want me to be sanctified and you want me to embrace suffering and all those things we spoke about two or three weeks ago now that we also come and we say, God, I'm going to commit to prayer and I'm going to know, I know that this is the place where I can connect with you and you can pull me nearer to you. You shape my desires. You shape my worldview. This is how the book of James says it. If any of you lacks wisdom, hands up in the room. Anybody could say, I lack wisdom. Anyone's wife could say, my husband lacks wisdom. Anyone's husband could say, my wife lacks wisdom. Anyone's children could say, you know, on we go. Friends could say, we all have seasons of our life where we could point back and say, man, I lacked wisdom in that season. So this is what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let us ask God. That's another way of saying ask God is pray. Let's pray. And God gives generously to all without finding fault. James carries on to say, isn't that so beautiful? Isn't that so wonderful that God doesn't say, well, you know, you messed up there and you messed up there and you haven't been very wise there. So I'm not going to give you any wisdom. You don't really deserve it. No, he gives generously to all without finding fault. If only we would ask him. Guys, I want to link this back into seeking counsel because I know in my own life there's been such a struggle here and I've had to really learn to discipline myself around prayer because my knee-jerk reaction, I'm a social guy, I love collaborating, I love meeting and chatting through ideas with people, I find it deeply, deeply stimulating and God put that in me so that's good and that's fine but I so often run to people before I've been genuinely meaningfully with God. I have a bright idea or what I think is a bright idea or I have some passion that gets stirred up in me and I run off to go and phone someone or speak to one of my friends or have a coffee date or a lunch to explain this and I, I realize often afterwards, oh man, I did it again. I haven't even really engaged with God in prayer and I want to encourage you from my own life and my own story, don't do that. Sometimes I have to be so disciplined because it's such a struggle for me that I need to say, Paul, for the next two weeks, you're not going to see, you're not going to speak to anybody about this. And I make a, a sort of covenant or a commitment to myself that first I'm going to take it to God in prayer before I go and speak to anybody else. But I want to I call our older folk here. Some of you have been learning how to pray and I want to encourage you to encourage those younger than you. Take them and when they come to you with counsel, don't just give your counsel. First, let's ask people who come to us and say, have you sought God? Have you sought God? It feels great to be the counselor. So we're tempted to just dispense our wisdom. But actually a mature counselor first pushes that, that person back to God and says, go and pray. We can have our lunch. That's fine. We're not talking about that until you've gone and prayed and asked God what his thoughts are in this area. And the, the concern for me is I know certainly in my own life this is true is that the root of why I go to people is spiritual laziness. It's because it's hard to pray. It's easy to pick up a phone call and to get affirmation from someone saying, oh, what a great idea. It's difficult to lock myself away for some hours and to, to wrestle with God. It's even more difficult to fast 
and I do that regularly when I'm facing difficult decisions or I need wisdom, is to give up food for a day or two or three or even sometimes longer than that. And that's terrible for our body. We, we can't stand it. And, but it's a beautiful gift to us as we learn to embrace it. So the question we're going to pause and we're going to ask is, are you, are you spiritually lazy in prayer and fasting? And I just want you to consider that. I don't want to judge you. But I do want to ask that question, are you spiritually lazy in prayer and fasting? The sixth and final point that we're going to make around how God calls us uniquely or specifically in our lives to serve Him and to be fruitful and meaningfully involved in His purposes and His kingdom plans is I've called this and I've very carefully titled this Redeemed Heart Desires redeemed or or made holy or cleaned up heart desires and this is this is the the premise of this point is that god works in the hearts and minds of men and women to produce as they walk with him and they they follow him and they're being sanctified and they're learning to suffer and they're embracing the holy spirit and they're thankfully living their lives as we've spoken about in the weeks gone past that god begins to work in those hearts and those minds to produce recurring strong desires for certain kinds of service in God's plan in the church in the marketplace in our home environment and that these desires become significant signposts for us when they occur but this one is the most subjective and we need to be so careful because scripture also says that the heart which is the root of the desires the heart is deceitful above all things and despicably wicked and so we've got to be careful what desires we trust coming out of that heart and if we go and look in the new testament we see that there's a verse that speaks about how through our own desires we're led away and enticed our own evil desires the things that tempt us and lead us into sin and so this one we have to be very careful with but there's three guiding principles that I would say would keep us safe in using this as a very critical guide in how God wants to use us and purpose us for His plans. The first one is this. These desires are recurring. They happen again and again and again. Sometimes we can point right back into our childhood and say these desires began there. I know that's true for me. By the age of 14, I already knew that God had called me to preach His Word. He had spoken clearly to me through a book I was, through a chapter I was reading in the book of Matthew. And He spoke to me, Paul, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to look after my lambs. And I knew as a 14-year-old that that was what God was calling me to. But those desires didn't happen for another 20 years. We only started leading here when I was 34 or 35 years old. And so... These desires kept recurring and recurring as I was in the business world and in different fields. I still kept feeling, God, I'm longing to lead your people. I'm longing to lead a church. And yet God needed to first grow me up and mature me to be able to do that. And these desires need to be recurring over often a, a period of years in our hearts. They're not momentary. They're not temporary. 
The second guiding thing I would give here is that these desires are strong. They're strong. They're so strong that they, that they keep you up at night and you can't fall asleep because you're thinking about these things that, that, God, that you think that God is wanting you to do. They're the kind of desires that you're at a traffic light and you forget to go and it turns green because you, you're lost in these desires and these thoughts of what God is wanting to do in and through your life. And someone behind you has to honk to get you going again. And so they, they're strong. They're not just desires that you, you watch a a moving documentary and suddenly you're going to be a, a missionary to India or you hear a stirring preach and that's good and God uses these things but these desires need to be beyond just temporary fleeting no they're recurring and they're strong and then the third one is the most important out of all of these safety nets or caveats in this in this point is that these desires are not awakened in sin they're not awakened. We do not trust the desires that, that come to us when we are far from God and we know that we are distant from God. We don't trust these desires when there's no desire in us to worship God and we, we have no inclination to enjoy being worshipping God with others and, and worshipping God on our own. Th those desires that we have when we, when we don't want to worship God and we don't want to pray and we're far from God, they're not to be trusted. We don't trust our desires when we're not regularly engaged in reading the Word of God. The Bible teaches us that God's Word is a light to our path. We walk in, in darkness without God's Word. His Word is a light. It's an illumination. It lights up. That's a, one of the common themes of, of, of the descriptions of what God's Word is like. And so we must understand that when we are reading God's word, it lights the way for us and it gives us lit up desires that when we are not reading God's word, we don't have those desires lit up in the same way. And so they can't be trusted. Another little one here is that I think if we are not already actively serving God in some way, shape or capacity, so sometimes someone will be doing nothing for the kingdom of God. They, they, they're not involved in their local community. They're not involved in church. They, they have no, no kind of area of service. And yet they will suddenly have these grand revelations or grand ideas of what God is calling them to. I don't buy that very often. Because I think that God speaks to us while we are actively serving Him. He shapes us, redirects us a little bit this way, speaks to us. So I hope you're getting what I'm saying. I'm saying no, no, no. Desires from, from feeling distant from God, not enjoying worshiping God, not reading our word, not allowing sanctification and suffering and all of these other things, not actively serving others. These are not reliable desires. Paul says it like this in, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3. We read this a few weeks ago. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Another way of saying that is your holiness. This is always the will of God, as we spoke about, period. It's always the will of God. And if holiness is God's will for us, then it stands to reason. It's safe to say that the desires produced in our, if I can say holiest moments, desires produced by holiness, growing holiness inside of us are significant for our guidance. This is why when we looked again a few weeks ago at the psalm where it speaks about delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's why that God can promise that because the de delighting leads to change desires and God knows that those desires have been purified and He can give you those desires. That's what it speaks about. Let me, let me 
close off this morning by telling you what I'm longing for God to do in our hearts. Man, I, I'm, I'm longing for God to come and to call us into real practical service. That some of us would change careers. Some of us would start businesses. Some of us would close businesses. Some of us would be completely redirected as we unpick what God has for us and the gifts and abilities He's placed inside of us. And we finally learn to trust Him rather than just accumulating wealth. And that sets us free to think down a whole new way of living or dreaming our career. This is what I'm, I'm longing for. I'm longing for us to surrender our lives. That, in, that, that, that service and that surrender run so closely together that we're saying, God, we want to serve you and we surrender. It's like two sides of a sandwich. So this is what God is wanting to do. He wants to come and reshape our worldview. Reshape how we see the world. He's wanting to come and show us true need versus my need. He's wanting to come and awaken us again to our gifts and our abilities. And we don't have to be coy about this and, and all shy like we don't have any. No, God's put them there. You're not boasting. God put them inside of you. I know to the core of my being that God has called me to teach and preach His Word. That's not arrogance. That's a recognition of a gift that God has put in me. God's done it. And He said, I want you to do this. And for me to do anything else would be disobedient with my life. I want to encourage us to come and regularly place ourselves under wise counsel. Men and women who are trusted, who have a track record of wisdom, place ourselves under their counsel and, and be careful to deviate from it. Not, not permission, perspective, but be thoughtful around it and not just treat it casually on the same level as our friend who, who went to varsity with us and what they happened to say. We don't weigh it equally. There's a different waiting to push ourselves into prayer. This is my heart and for holy desires. For holy desires, for God to come and stir up in us in our most holy moments, for God to come and stir up in us His plan and as we delight ourselves in Him. These last few weeks that we've been speaking about this should give us such comfort. If you are someone who struggled with the will of God and struggled to know how to pursue what it is that God wants for your life, there should be a clarity here for you that you've never had. Go back, listen to these things, drink in the word of God, His will for your life. A freedom to walk in this, a freedom not to feel crippled by fear of what if I make a mistake or what if I make a misstep? No, to see clearly that God has given us room to learn and to grow. And even when we make mistakes, still for those mistakes, God's going to turn them for good. I'm going to send out in the newsletter this week, I'm going to ask Charles to send out a, a Timothy Keller clip that um, Prisca sent to me. And it's just a brilliant sermon around this topic of how God uses everything to form His will and to shape His will in our lives. And it's a brilliant sermon. I suggest you get your hands on it. If you aren't getting the newsletter currently, drop a mail to info at onehopechurch.co.za. And they'll send you, just say, say in that email, just say, please add me to the list and you'll get that list. Or go on our website and sign up or do something to make sure you get that weekly mail. It's not, we just do it once a week. It's not spam. And you'll get that sermon. I want to speak to what's burning in my heart for some of our older folk who are watching 
this this morning. I, I know that some of you might have um, doubts around whether what you dreamed and your goals and your ambitions and you look back on your life and you haven't achieved those things and you wanted an extraordinary life and you look back and your life looks so ordinary. I want to encourage you that if you've walked with Jesus through these years, he's been doing wonderful things. Look back on the years and see how he sanctified you. If you're not sure, ask your wife. She'll tell you how much she's changed you. Or ask your husband and he'll tell you. Ask your kids. God has been at work. Think about the suffering that you've been through. And don't, don't count these things as small things. This is, the greater, this is the greater work that God is doing over and above the purposes that he has for our specific lives. He's wanting more than that to build sanctification and walking with the Spirit and learning how to pray and learning how to surrender our lives to him. And I want to encourage you to take that experience and to be encouraged and to use it in this next season what God is calling you to to encourage younger men and women scripture teaches us that the older should teach the younger and something in our culture is losing that and I want to encourage you this is not your time to check out it's not your time to just retire and relax this is your time to do kingdom work something else that's really bubbling in my heart is around people who are single I want to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry because I know that not only has the world imposed some kind of cultural view on you that in order to be complete or in order to be fulfilled, you've got to be married and you've got to have children. But the church has done that as well. And even in, in my own life, when I think through some of my preaching and how I've neglected thinking about people who are single and often held up marriage as the pinnacle of something or the, the metaphors I use are often to do with family. And I, I ask you for grace to forgive me for that. That's my life and, and the experience that I'm going through. But I do want to say that, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life for your singleness, which is beautiful and which is good and which is not second rate. And where the church and the culture has told you that you have to be married or you have to have a family in order to be effective or fulfilled, I want to say that I'm sorry and I want to say that it's not biblical. When I look at scripture, I actually see the opposite of that. I see that Paul and Phoebe and Timothy, none of whom we can find a record for ever being married, are some of the most powerfully used people in the New Testament. And God is able to take the singleness that they have and the focus that they're able to have because of it without the distraction of a wife or a husband or, or children. And he's able to use them powerfully for his purposes. And I want to return again to celebrating, to celebrating singleness and ask God to show us his plans and his purposes and that they would supersede our cultural and our current church state where we see this somehow in a negative light but you might you might feel that life has not turned out the way that you thought and you haven't found him or you haven't found her and I just want to encourage you with God's grace today that maybe this is exactly what God has planned and purposed for your life embrace it and let God use it for his purposes one or two more groups I want to speak to I want to speak to people with misdirected passion this might be uh, that God has, has created in you a business entrepreneurial mind and he wanted it to be used to contribute to his kingdom. But man, sir or ma'am, you've run off into workaholism and you losing your family because you just focused on your work and the bottom line the whole time. God wants to come and redeem that passion and that desire in your heart. He put it there, but you're butchering it. 
And I want to ask you in grace to come back and ask him what it is he wants you to do with that passion. And then lastly, let me speak to you if you are not a follower of Christ Jesus this morning. I I hope that these last weeks have begun to show you the care that God has taken to reach you. How much he, he longs for you to come and be rescued. Now, I know that might even be offensive because you might not feel that you need to be rescued. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And until you say yes to him, until you say, yes, you be my Lord, I will surrender. I will follow you. The plan that you're working in, walking in, no matter how pleasurable it may be for you, is not the purpose and the plan of God for your life. And it will end in eternal destruction and I want to speak to you and I want to encourage you that God's word is so clear it so clearly lays out for us what God has done and the extent that he has gone to rescue us please I ask you I plead with you read the gospels read his word read what he's clearly left for you to to follow him and to say I can, I can see with, credibility, with, with intelligent credibility, I can read this and understand what it is that God has done. I remember some years ago doing Alpha with a friend of mine and a work colleague of mine. And um, I remember in, in about week five or six, I remember he got so frustrated and he said, Paul, why didn't God just come down and, and, and show us if he's really God? Why did he make it so hard? Why did he make it so obscure? Why didn't he just come down and tell us what it is that he wanted us to know? And in his mind, I said, well, explain how you think God could have done that. And he said, well, you know, like a big transformer or like a big, a big being that came down to earth and was like I am God and I paused in that moment and I just spoke to my friend with with grace in my heart and I said he did what you're asking him to do he did you just won't accept it you just won't study he sent Jesus down to earth he left records detailed records historic records archaeological records biblical records for us to go and examine The truth of his word. I ask you to come to him. Come to him with your doubts. With everything, all your questions. Come to him. And be honest with him. And let him rescue you and call you home. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to have a testimony from Robin. Robin is one of our outstanding young women. Who's seen God changing her career. And changing the path that she had planned for her life. And we're going to hear her story as soon as I'm finished praying this morning. Father, would you come and do these things that we're asking? Would you come and work in our hearts, work in us, the, the, the change that you want to bring, the practical change. I ask for courage in our hearts for big decisions to come from this series. Lord, that we had to re-examine the call that you've placed over our lives and that it would become to us a treasure. It would become so beautiful that it would be extraordinary, ordinary lives, a long obedience in the same direction, plodding step after step after you, but knowing that you're working in our sanctification and beauty and you're working through the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We surrender them again to you and ask you to come and work in us. For those who are watching, who do not know you, God, I pray a special grace and a a leading from you toward you, that you'd pull them ever nearer to you. There's a reason why they're watching today. And I pray that you'd do that in the glorious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.